Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. That's another beautiful word I love, sanctification. He sanctifies you. He sets you apart. He wants to set you apart. Will you allow yourself to be set apart? In, in light of the, the pressure from family, in light of pressure from your peers, from those that you work with, will you allow yourself to be the odd guy out, the black sheep? The white sheep. They're the black sheep. You may be the only white sheep where you work. You may be the only white sheep in your family. You're being set apart. Welcome to today's Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob analyzes how God sets us apart from the world through his sanctification process once we believe in his son, Jesus Christ. Is there opposition that goes with being born from above? Remember what Jesus told us in John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Pastor Rob gives us a good example in the book of Daniel. Daniel loved God for who he is and didn't allow himself to be defiled by the world. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. As in your ignorance. So instead of giving into these things, there are some things that we do need to conform ourselves to. In Romans chapter 12, what does it say? Paul speaking to the Romans, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And here it is, and do not be conformed to this world. That word conformed that we saw earlier, that's what it means. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You are being conformed. What are you being conformed to? You must choose the Lord. If you're a Christian and you call Christ as your as your God, you need to examine your heart and say, Lord, this needs to be the thing that I, I'm, con- I'm conforming myself to your image. And I read your word. I take it into my heart. I don't read it as a textbook. I read it as a life book. Because everything in here is true concerning me and who he is and the great gulf in between and the great price that was paid to secure me and you in his presence. That's what we need to do. And to be serious about it, to be diligent about it. Uh, In Ephesians, in chapter 4, beginning in verse 17, let me read this to you. Paul, speaking to them, to the Ephesians, he said, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer... Walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with with greediness. Have you ever been around somebody like that? 
They're just greedy for uncleanness. Have you been that way yourself before Christ? Have you struggled with it even as a Christian? He says, but you have not so learned Christ. Verse 21, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, and here it is, that you put off, put off concerning your former conduct, the former lusts, put off those things, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and here it is, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We need to take that stuff from our past and we need to put it beside and we need to put on the new man. The new man the new man can only be given through Christ, through the renew, for the re, through the regeneration, that being born again. If you're not born again, you are not a Christian. I don't care what church you go to. I don't care how fancy your service is. I don't care how ornate your building is. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you, Jesus says that you are not a Christian. I know I'm a Christian. Is it because of any good work that I've done? I haven't done very many. But I, I believe in him. I believe that his blood died for me. He died for me for my sin. And he died for your sin as well. I believe that. That's the only thing that allows me to be a Christian is what he has done. I have been grafted into him. And so have you if you've confessed Christ and confessed your sin. In verse 15, he says, But as he who has called you is holy, you be also holy in all conduct, in your conduct, because it is written, Be holy for I am holy. See, God demands that we be like him. He demands that we be like him. In Christ, we are holy, but practically every day as we are going through this process of sanctification, we need to rein in the things of our flesh that we know are sinful. And instead of coddling them, we need to crucify them. That's what the Bible says. Crucify those things. If you have a tendency to steal, you need to deny that. You need to deny that. If you have a tendency to drink and to get drunk, you need to deny that. That's sin. If you have a tendency to take drugs, you need to deny that because that's sin. If you have a tendency to have homosexual tendencies, you have to deny that. God did not make you that way. He did not make you that way. You have to deny that. And only through the Spirit of God is it possible consistently and have victory over that sin, whatever it is. If you're a, a boy and a girl or a man and a woman and you're outside of marriage and you you're, have a tendency to want to be with each other physically and intimately, that's a sin, the Bible says. You need to deny that. God demands that we are holy. To be holy is to be consecrated. It's just a f- fancy word for being set apart. Are you set apart from the world unto Christ You know, in our case, in the Christian's case, we are separated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, from the prevailing humanistic worldview, and we're separated unto Jesus Christ and his worldview. His worldview is known to us through the word of God. We know what his worldview is because he shares it with us. He tells us what it is. It's right in here. Is your worldview conformed to this, or are you conforming yourself to the humanistic worldview of our of our world and the way it is right now? Let me tell you, there's a big, big battle out there for your mind. Every television show you watch, everything, the music that you listen to, everything has an agenda, and it's to steal your soul, to get you into this humanistic worldview, to change your heart. Don't realize it, but through the TV and through your headphones, the devil is reaching out, and he's getting his tentacles into your heart and your mind, and he's pulling you in. You don't think it's happening? You don't think it's happening to your kids? It's happening. It's happening. Even if they don't search for it, it's going to find them. You have to be really careful. 
I have to be really careful. As a parent, I have to be really careful. I have to protect my daughter from things. She may not go out and search for things, but things are going to come into her sphere of influence that I've got to say, honey, this is not right. This is not good. And no, I'm not going to allow you to listen to that. I'm not going to allow you to watch that. And we've made our mistakes, and so will you. But you know what? (laughs) When I learn the lesson, and I'm continuing to learn the lesson, are, are you continuing to learn the lesson with me? I'm not a perfect dad. I wish I were. There's only one perfect father. That's God the Father. He is the perfect father. And as a Christian, our worldview must conform to the word of God. Otherwise, how can we call ourselves Christians? If I, how can I be pro-abortion and, uh, and, and yet God says that it's murder and that he hates it? Now, if you're a woman here today and you've had an abortion, you don't need to be walking around in condemnation. If you've confessed it and you've asked God to forgive you, it's done. You don't have to worry about it anymore. God has put it under the blood and you're secure in his love and his forgiveness. But can we be that way and say that I'm a Christian? God says it's murder and he hates it. How can we think it's okay for someone to engage in homosexuality when God says it is a sin and an abomination? How can we condone two people who are not married to have physical relationships with each other and call that okay when God calls it fornication and adultery? How can we call someone who steals, who is a thief, and say that it's just a physical short circuit in them and they need to be rehabilitated? They don't need to be rehabbed, but rather they need to be born again. Amen? It's hard stuff, isn't it? It's hard. Time is fleeting away from us here, but let's just take a look at a few scriptures here and then we'll uh, stop for today. In Leviticus chapter 11, beginning in verse 43, God says this, he says, You shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creeps, nor shall you make yourselves unclean with them, lest you be defiled by them. Because we're talking about holiness here. God says, Be holy, for I am holy. And so he says, I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves. That means be holy, to set apart yourselves, to set yourself apart, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. That's what God says. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth, for I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God, and you shall therefore be holy again, for I am holy. In Leviticus chapter 20, verses 6 through 8, it says this, to further put the nail in the coffin of this whole thing, he says, and the person who turns to mediums and to familiar spirits to prostitute themselves with them. How many people have been to Florida and have been down to Key West? Or you go down to Miami, and all along the storefronts, you have psychics and palm readers, and it's just that for some reason that land down there is filled with them. I know, something about the heat, I think it just makes people insane. <laughs> and I know that I started to go insane when I was down there. It does, it like does something to the brain, it just, you know, I don't know. But it's true. And what does God say about this? He says, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. Consecrate yourself again. That's being holy. That's being set apart. Consecrate, verse 7, yourselves, therefore, and be holy. For I, the Lord your God, I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. That's another beautiful word I love, sanctification. He sanctifies you. He sets you apart. He wants to set you apart. Will you allow yourself to be set apart? In, in light of the, the pressure from family, in light of pressure from your peers, from those that you work with? Will you allow yourself to be the odd guy out, the black sheep? 
the white sheep. They're the black sheep. You may be the only white sheep where you work. You may be the only white sheep in your family. You're being set apart. You know, my family has come to accept who I am in Christ. I don't know that they feel completely comfortable. I think sometimes they would like to see the old Rob the way I used to be. That man is dead. Buried long ago, 25 years ago. Long dead. Buried six feet under, below the frost line. See ya. (laughs) So glad that my old man is dead and it's still dying. There's still areas God has put his finger on because I'm being sanctified as along with all of you. But God is serious about this. We're going to go to one place and then we're going to finish, okay? Let's open up to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to stop here for today. Daniel chapter 1. You remember Nebuchadnezzar came against the city of Jerusalem. Uh, the northern ten tribes had already been taken into captivity in 722 B.C. Because of their idolatry, the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, they didn't learn the lesson. They continued in idolatry, and God brings Nebuchadnezzar around 606-604 B.C., and he comes against Jerusalem. And he doesn't just come in and destroy the city. First, he besieges it, and he takes several captive. He takes several captive. And in the first chapter of Daniel, chapter 1, we see that Daniel and his three fellows, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those are their Babylonian names, they were taken captive as well. And Nebuchadnezzar's design, his hope, was to get them these really influential, these very intelligent youths, very good-looking. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to train these good-looking kids. These kids who had great minds, who had great promise, and they were vetted, they were looked at, and they were scrutinized, and a group of them were brought into the king's palace, and they would be given the best food and the best wine, the same things that Nebuchadnezzar himself would eat and the things that he would drink, and they would brainwash them in the ways of the Chaldeans. But I know, notice what happens, because here we have a young man, when he was taken captive, he was just a young boy, maybe even in his tweens. We don't really know exactly when he came, when he was led into Babylon. He was very young, though, probably not even a teenager yet, perhaps. But yet his mother and father were committed to the Scripture. His mother and father lived the example. We don't know their names. His mother and father were diligent. And notice, just like that note that we read earlier in the very beginning that I couldn't even get through, this young man was walking in holiness, regardless of his environment, regardless of his environment. He could have been in a cesspool, and he was. He still held true to his God, to Jesus Christ, the only true God. Everyone else is false. Only Jesus Christ is the one true God because he created all things, the Bible says. But let's just read Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to look at verse 8, 8 down through 21, and then we'll pray and be done for the day. It says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. Because remember, they wanted to give them the, the food and the drinks and all this stuff. And for any young person to be in a king's presence and to have that kind of food, to, have the, to be able to drink the same drink that the, the king is drinking, wow, what a privilege that would be. But Daniel, but Daniel, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, look what happened. 
He would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Notice the boldness. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Verse 10, And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and your drink, for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. In other words, if you don't eat these delicacies and you guys look worse off, I'm going to be, the buck is going to fall on me, right? I'm going to be in trouble. So Daniel, verse 11, said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had said over him, and Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, those are the three other youths, These are their um, Hebrew names. Please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants, totally committing himself to, to the Lord and being consecrated, being holy before God, not giving into these things. He finally says, you know what? allow this thing to happen, and you examine us. And if at the end of those two and ten days, we don't look fatter in flesh than the others, then you know what? Then whatever you say, we'll do. <laughs> I love that. Verse 15, At the end of the ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. And thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables to eat. As for the four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Verse 18, Now at the end of days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king interviewed them. And among them all, among them all none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and therefore they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the the first year of King Cyrus. So you see, God honored them. They honored God in their, their, their separateness unto him, and God honored them. Even though they were going to be in that land for 70 years, God honored these young men and says, you know what? You stood up for me. You stood up for the right thing. I'm going to honor you. And you know what? God can turn the head of a king. God can turn the head of a king. And you know, I believe as a result of the the witness of Daniel and his three fellows, that it's because of their witness, because of their steadfastness, their devotion to Christ, their devotion to the Lord, Nebuchadnezzar, through a series of events, came to know Christ. He came to know. You can read it in Daniel chapter 4. He gives his testimony. I believe we'll see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. And could it be that these three young men, being steadfast, being resolute, not being willing to be taken off course from what they knew was true, what they knew was right, Nebuchadnezzar looking at this all the time as he's testing these young men, allowing them to be cast into the fire even. And Daniel in the lion's den... And there are many other kings after Nebuchadnezzar who respected the God of Israel, respected the relationship that these young men had with their God. And you know what? God will honor you if you honor him. Will you honor him with your life? Will you give him your life? Give him your life completely. Open the door of your heart. Is there any dark room that you have a key that you're just not willing to give up? Give it up today. Give it up today. You can be set free. You can be born again today. 
There are some of you here today that have never known Christ. And I've got to be honest, I am so glad you're here. So glad you're here. Because God loves you. Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you. His holiness is going to be on your life. Your life is dead. All things are, are all passed away, but all things are become new. If you're a new, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus if you give your heart to him. Confessing your sin, not hiding from him, coming to him bare, all things. Lord, this is my life. It is a complete disaster. It's a complete mess, Lord. I've done this. I've done this. I don't understand how or why you would even forgive me, but I know that your the word, your word says that you will forgive me if I just confess it. And then he invites you in. Let me tell you, there's a great lift, a great burden that's lifted off the moment you give your heart to Christ. I'll never forget that day. I felt like I had a, a, a 3,000 pound weight on my shoulders. And God interrupted my life. <laughs> You've been interrupted in a, new, in a, in a, in a uh, football game? This message brought to you by blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, something happened, you know, some kind of news alert. The president's been, you know, abducted or something. I don't know. You know, and you're interrupted. Well, God interrupted my life. And when I finally gave it up, the freedom, the weeping <laughs> that occurs when you know how great a sin you've committed and to know that God will look at it and go, after you've confessed it under the blood of Christ, he says, I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. Never seen that sin. It's been forgiven. It's back there somewhere. I choose to forget about it. It's in the sea of forgetfulness. Wherever that is, I forget. I choose to. I got a perfect and holy memory. I got a perfect memory to forget things that have been put under the blood. And that is as simple as it gets. And that is the best that it is. Isn't that awesome? Do you know you're forgiven? Live holy lives. Let's commit ourselves this year to really live holy lives. Not in our strength. We can't do it. We'll fail miserably. That's why it's so important. The Bible says you must receive the Spirit of God. Ask Him to baptize you with His Spirit. Lord, take my heart. I know I'm born again, but I need the power from on high. As often as you're willing to give it, I can't do it without you. I don't even want to do it without you. It's a miserable, miserable, confusing, heart-wrenching mess when I try to do it myself. But, Lord, you have a way to do it, and it's pure, it's holy, and, boy, it's such amazing, amazing. It's thrilling to have God working in your life. Thrilling. No greater thing in the world. Amen? Let's stand. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, and as you commanded us to be holy because you are holy, Lord, help us. Lord, this week, to really consider, Lord, this sanctification, this consecration, this being set apart unto you. Lord, may we do it, and may we completely give ourselves over to you. Every dark room, every key that is being held in rooms of anger, rooms of unforgiveness, rooms of, of addictions, Lord, rooms of, uh, of frustration and rooms of rebellion and unbelief, Lord, we Open these doors for you, and we pray that you would clean house. And Lord, you do it in such a sweet and wonderful way, God. You do it in such a way where we come away just in awe, and you break our hearts in such a wonderful, sweet way. So thankful for the way you do it, Lord. You're so kind and gentle in everything that you do. We are undeserving, Lord, and that's why we will forever worship you because your work, your character is unfathomable. You are unknowable completely. Lord, we give our hearts to you this morning. 
Pray that you would order our steps and that you cleanse and heal us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.